Welcome, everyone. This is uh, the podcast that hasn't been named yet. We'll talk about that later. Um, I have Travis Lesnar with me, El, El Presidente. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll just kind of give a little background. We uh, a new chapter of Quail Forever started um, here. I guess was it March that you guys got it together? Yeah, I think talks and stuff was in January, February. And we had our first meeting, and I think yeah, March. So it's it's kind of just getting off the ground now. And, uh, I've been able to attend two or three meetings and um, got some exciting stuff in the works. Uh, I think first is a habitat project here, maybe in June, July timeframe. Yeah, I haven't heard back from anyone yet, but it's in the works. Just kind of waiting for formalities and stuff with NBC and stuff to a little paperwork and yeah that kind of stuff. So. I think the the plan was to maybe get some invasive species uh, spraying help out um, the a couple conservation agent areas um, locally. So uh, Talbot or Bodark, I don't think it's been named yet, but both both good projects. At some way. point, we're gonna be doing some. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully before hopefully it gets yeah, hopefully before it gets 100 degrees out. Yeah, we'll see. So that. That should be a good time. Um, I'm sure that'll be on social media when everything gets firmed up um, and we get get that lined out. And then we also have a pint night that we're, again, getting the, the details kind of firmed up, but that'll be another one. Um, the goal there, just kind of get everybody together, yeah, let them know about the chapter. Beginning of July is what we're shooting for. Yep. Somewhere around there, probably at Springfield. Yeah, they've been really good to have our meetings there. And, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty cool place. The nice thing is Aiden's our uh, Quell Forever director or area director. He's the one heading that up because I don't think anyone else knows <laughs> what to expect on that. Yeah, he's done a few of them, so that's good. He kind of knows the how to set them up and get the, the ball rolling. On that. Yep, yep. Um so that's that's July sometime, uh, probably a evening, um, but more to come on that. Yeah. And then I did see some email traffic this week about uh, possible clay shoot um, late August, early September. Yeah. And um, again, you know, we're just starting, so uh, that'll be uh, another one coming up that we'll get some de more details once it gets closer. Um, I think Ozark shooters, probably the, the front runner right now for yeah. host sites. They seem to be uh, really looking to work, work with us. Um, I think the dates, August, the last weekend in August, let's yeah. just say that. Right before probably a gun raffle associated with that or the pint night. Yeah. Um, and and then rolls into hunting season, so probably slow things down a little bit for everybody to hopefully have, have some activities. That's the, well, that's the reason why we do this. Yeah, exactly. So invite you to pint night and steal all your Onyx pens, and then we'll see you in the spring. Sounds like a good plan to me. At the banquet. <laughs> yep, and then uh, you mentioned the banquet. I think that's that's kind of the one of the big goals of ours is um to have have a banquet 
um, February timeframe. Um, yeah, and I think right now, and tentatively, it's February 22nd, if I remember right. Yep, that sounds right. And then, and that's really to kind of raise money for the year so we can do like the habitat projects and, you know, if we want to do a kid's event or something like that. Stuff yeah. For hunting. Yeah. So that's, you know, getting off the ground. That's, that's our, I think our biggest challenge right now is financial um, backing. We have a bank yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a pain. Yeah. It's been, it's been, I, I think Brad and Aiden have been doing most of it. So yeah. No, I've been on some conversations. We almost commandeered a, another chapter's bank account. <laughs> well, that's, that'd be an easy way to yeah get get started. But whatever, I guess we'll do it the hard way. Yep. So that's kind of our slate for the upcoming year. Um, but June fourteenth is our next chapter meeting. We can wrap. Invite everyone out. It's at Springfield Brewing Company at six o'clock. Yep. And you know we kind of go over to dos um, for planning these these next you know three or four projects and um, have a couple beverages and a burger and uh, it's usually a pretty good time. Get the fish and chips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and Springfield Brewing Company's been great uh, letting us uh, have a have space to meet and uh, give it, you know, helping us out there. So. Yeah. And there are open meetings. Like we have assigned positions. I'm president. We have vice president, treasurer, and a couple other ones down the ladder on that, you know, for kids and habitat and whatnot. And then there's Aiden, our area director, who's been coming to every meeting. But you know, if you can come and attribute, you know, more the more help the merrier on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's June fourteenth at six at Baruco upstairs. Uh, there's kind of like a little classroom. Pilsner room. Pilsner. Um, Very laid back. So let's talk about kind of the goal of the chapter. You've mentioned it a couple times. Um, you know, overall, what's our purpose or mission? Um, yeah. We just want to uh, have a better quail population here in Missouri for better quail hunting, especially here in the southwest region. Yeah. And, you know, from, you know, I'm 31 years old. I remember walking around the farm kicking up coveys of quail, and we just don't have that anymore. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's due to urban sprawl and just bad management of land in general. You know, fescue, which is rampant here in the Ozarks, is not very suitable for quail. Yeah. But, you know, I have fescue on my farm. My dad has it on his farm. And Thursday morning, I heard a quail whistling and he was bush hogging today and saw quail on the road the road so yeah it's it's funny i i kind of was thinking about this like um you know around here i i feel like we're hanging on i mean we're we're definitely not making a, a ton of ground as far as 
as quail population um, you know, overall. But my dad's the same way. They they live out in Lawrence County, and um, you know it seems like at about this time of year, you know, kind of the the breeding uh, nesting season, you hear some, um, but then they kind of disappear when hunting season gets around. Just you know, they have a lot of not many of them and have a lot of area to cover, but um, I feel like, you know, if they can hang on and, you know, maybe fescue is replaced by warm season grasses or something. And then, then I think we're, you know, back to the heydays. So. Well, yeah. And you know, uh, I had an idea. I drive down Evans road every single day and there's a really pretty, it kind of did some stuff in the middle and it's full of whatever trees are growing there, like some sort of pine. They don't look native, but how cool would it be that all of that in that middle strip in between the two sides of the road was in a natural habitat, yeah. you know, in warm season grass and pollinator plants and all that. Like, why couldn't that be done? Yeah, that's what, I mean, I, I live in a subdivision now, but like, you know, we're kind of hoping to at some point move out and have, you know, five or 10 acres and like, I don't want to mow five or 10 acres. It's like, it'd be awesome just to have some warm season grass and, you know, you get wildflowers and it's not just a sea of green and brown. Uh, it's just biodiversity. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're a quail hunter, you know, every time they're a creature of edge. So yeah, you find edge, you're going to find run into one eventually. Yeah. Especially if it's around crops. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, you, you mentioned like growing up, you'd kick, kick out cubbies of quail. And, uh, so I grew up, um, we're on East division. If you're familiar mm-hmm. Springfield, that's where I live right now. And I, I grew up maybe three miles uh, east here on East division. Um, so we were, our backyard butted up to Springfield underground Okay, cool. and it's, you know, they can't do anything above ground there cause you know, giant cave That's under a liability. Yeah. <laughs> giant cave underneath. But, uh, we'd had a deer feeder out in our backyard and we always had quail coming up to the deer feed and really. grabbing some corn. And, you know, my dad would used to think it like, man, that's, you know, there's quail back here. He, he'd get really excited. And, you know, I grew up with it, so I didn't think much of it. And then, you know, now circle back, it would be like, man, I can't believe that was actually inside, you know, our backyard was city limits line. Mm-hmm. So there was actually quail inside the uh, Springfield city limits. I mean, they might still be there. It hasn't really changed because there's nothing. Uh, probably not getting hunting pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's just a kind of woolly, overgrown um, area back there. So who knows? They might still be back there. They're hardy birds. They just, yeah. they're been, they've been pushed around in, you know, places like Talbot, Bodart. You know, that's, they done a pretty decent job of managing for quail there yeah. and you can go there and especially like you know this time of year you can go actually hear quail whistling and calling yeah it's i mean 
I think both areas do do a really good job. Um, I so like uh, Bodark's not very far from here, so that's mainly where I go. But um, great place to train dogs in the summertime. Yeah. Um, and yeah, every once in a while you run across a covey during while you're training, so it's kind of like a bonus. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so I think that that covers the the goal. Gives us some background. Um, let's get into some hunting stories, and um, or maybe first we talk about kind of the podcast a little bit. Maybe give it a name. Um, I'm not the most creative guy, so I'm <laughs> hoping the president could help me out with that. Um, I was thinking Bird Hunter's Garage because we're currently in my garage. You might hear a car drive by every once in a while. Um, show me birds since we're in the show me state um missouri uplanders anonymous i don't know if i'm crazy about that one or not but i don't think any of them are bad i'm not a very creative person either maybe yeah upland nimrods i don't know upland nimrods (laughs) isn't bad i don't know if that's probably describes me pretty well (laughs) Maybe that was more of an assessment of me. <laughs> I don't know. So before this comes out, we'll probably have a name. That's that sounds good. We'll we'll table those. Um, but I was thinking, goal of the podcast is really kind of like a chapter newsletter in a way. I mean, you send those out through email, and I I don't think I've ever read a newsletter in my life. I mean, it just goes to the junk file immediately unless it says enter to win yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not i'm not reading it so um you know i think maybe spend 15 minutes at the start of every podcast and say what's going on with the chapter um good way to meet some different people in the chapter kind of get to know them um give you something to talk about if you come to one of our meetings um and then you know just a little entertainment value to tell some hunting stories and, yeah um you know, I, Missouri hunting's not easy um, for upland. We don't, we're not terrible um, as far as population of birds, but you're not gonna around here. You're not gonna walk and and get a limit of birds like it's nothing. I mean, I think you're having a day of a lifetime if you if you get a limit of quail around here. Oh yeah, well especially in the southwest region and. The closer you get, you get to Kansas, the the better chance you got, I think. Yeah. But that still encompasses our southwest region. Yeah. You know, and what we're what our goal is for the chapter, you know, that we have a very good quail population down in southeast Missouri right now, and we need to be on those levels right there for here in the Ozarks personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we definitely have the land. There's, there's some great conservation areas, um, kind of in our region. There's a ton of core ground too. Yeah. That gets overlooked. Yeah. I mean, not in, not in Missouri, but, um, a couple of years ago, we went to Bull Shoals and we're camping out at 125, uh, mm-hmm. like the core campground there mm-hmm. by the ferry. Yep. And 
uh, tent camping. So we were, you know, about sun pops up and we're about to get up and I, it was, I mean, it had to be less than a hundred yards, just quail going crazy. And it kind of makes sense. Cause like, you know, uh, all that buck brush around there on the shoreline yeah. and I'm sure that helps out with the bugs and stuff. There's always water. Yeah. So not really a huntable area, uh, just cause steep terrain and thick brush, but yeah, there's a few around. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about uh, kind of how you got into bird hunting. Um, give us a background of kind of your experience. So my dad is from Kansas, central part of Kansas, like in between Manhattan and uh, Wichita. Okay. A little little podunk town that no one's probably ever heard of. And so quail hunting, you know, back in, he was born in the 50s. So back in the 60s and 70s, you know, that's kind of the heyday. And he always ran, he had pointers and my uncle had Britons and they just, they'd honestly, they would just go walk the, the railroad tracks and shoot quail. Sometimes we without dogs. And then fast forward, I remember my dad having two pointers. Can't remember. I know one was Butch. I think the other one was Bluebell. And he got rid of those because he's not a bird dog trainer. He just, they're wild. Had them chained up, never got to use them. Yeah. Got busy with work. So he got rid of those and became a white-tailed deer hunter, which he always kind of was. And so that's what I was all up until five years ago when I was got married, had a little girl, and I was like, you know what? I doubt I can get my kids into hunting, my little girl into hunting, by sitting in a tree stand and being quiet and being cold. <laughs> Like, let's get a bird dog. And one bird dog turned into two, and then three, and then four. Oh. So, I definitely got the bug. I, uh, and I love it. You know, I, aside from quail hunting, which I do consider myself a quail hunter, but, man, I just like the being able to travel to do it, you know. I had always aspired to be an elk hunter, go to Colorado and do the over-the-counter thing up there. But you're spending, at the time, I don't even know what they are anymore, but it was like 650 bucks on a tag plus travel. Plus, you know, got to take time off work. And, you know, if you're limiting yourself to a week, you don't have a whole lot of time to do that. Or you can go to... Kansas and get a tag for what are they like 125? Yeah, just just over a hundred bucks. Yeah. So that was kind of my segue into hunting was or bird hunting. It was a little bit cheaper, and then you know on the Missouri side of things, you know it's always fun to go get your dogs out regardless of finding anything or not which i've only found a handful of birds here in missouri but that's kind of where i cut my teeth on 
Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's my viewpoint too, as far as like here in Missouri. I mean, um, you know, not to sound like doomsday, it's terrible or anything. I mean, we definitely have some around, but it's, it's kind of like, um, I look at it as like, um, just good practice. So when you do go on those, you know, three, four week long, week long hunts that, you know, your dogs know what birds are, um, you know, they've been around them enough to, that you're not just, uh, you're kind of dusting off, getting ready for the, the week long hunts, the ones that you throw, you know, a little bit more money on travel and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to have some around that are, that are, uh, worth, worth chasing and keep you on your toes. Well, and they're there. They just, you gotta work a little harder at it and, you know, felt like that was kind of the way Kansas was this year because it was so stinking dry. It was yeah hard to find good cover this year. Yeah, what um, what was your experience? I mean, don't tell me, don't tell me towns, but like no. generally, what area were you in, and had so, you been there before? So usually, I would go out to northwest Kansas. And this year, I didn't even bother to go out there because of the drought conditions. And so I I did kind of hop around a little bit. Um, was successful. One trip, my truck broke down, so I had to okay, – that kind of ruined it. I had yeah. my dad drive like eight hours to come pick me up and <laughs> with the truck back. So oh. That was fun. Transmission just blew. Yeah. I saw uh, one of the the guys uh, that hunt ready uh, vest. They did a big trip in September or October and had transmission go out like in Montana or wherever. It's like, man, what? Well, do you... I took that same truck to Montana. I did SOL. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of look at it like, you know, it was a bad situation, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, at least I was eight hours away, not twenty four. Yeah. So, I mean, just dry? Did you find birds or? We found birds. I didn't have the best dog work, I'll be completely honest. And so there's a couple of cubbies that we didn't get because of dogs. But, uh, yeah, we got into a few cubbies. I just had a baby, so I didn't get to go out as much as I wanted to. Yeah. I had a little like one month girl when I was writing. I had her in November, usually try to do a lot of deer hunting in November. And so that was a little rough. No, sorry, she was born in October. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was born in November. Yeah. But either way, it's still hard to get out this year just having two young kids. Oh yeah. I think next year will be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, so I have a daughter. She's she's uh, seventeen months now, here in a couple days, and that was kind of my experience. Like uh, that under one year old. I mean, it's not like they're they're uh, needing a lot, but it's just you know that you kind of got to give them something all the time. It's and it's hard to want to go do something. Like I feel yeah. like I owe my dogs to go out and hunt. But when you have two girls at home that are 
crying and a wife that has all these chores to do that because I'm not there. I'm like, oh, I got it. Yeah. It's like we, we, we might shorten this one up or pick our dates a little better. Yeah. That's, that's just the way I felt this year. Yeah. And I can see like, you know, she's she's getting a little older now and mobile. Um, so that adds a new new uh, challenge. But I mean, it that independence is kind of starting to come out. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's different. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, at least she won't be like 100 percent dependent on mom, you know, even feed her dry food now and stuff. So it gets a little bit easier. Yeah. But. So you said uh, you have some some dogs, four of them. Yep. Let's run through those. Which was your first one? So the first one was uh, got a Brittany from a guy that known forever. He uh, just backyard breeder. He's out of some trial lines, but he's not registered. Just a meat dog. Mm-hmm. And he's honestly probably one of my probably is my best dog. Had him for. A couple of years, and was like, well, about time to get another one. Yeah. And then I had already caught the bug of Upland and all that, and I really, you know, you run through one dog really quick, and I was like, well, you need two. And so I got a wire, and love her to death. She's probably not the greatest bird dog, but I bought I went in with the wire hair just because of their utility Mm -hmm. and she's tracked. She's two now. She's already tracked four deer. We went on a rabbit hunt. She was pointing rabbits for me. Yeah. You know, she doesn't range a whole lot. Not like I'd like them to. My Brittany, he'll get out there three, 400 yards if I let him. Yeah. It just depends. And she stays, you know, maximum 100 yards. I like a dog that wants to go find birds, and she will find whatever, which is fine. I, I When I got them, you know, when I'm bird hunting, I want them to bird hunt. But then again, I realize that I let I give her a little bit of lenience because I do use her for utility. She's got a heck of a retrieve. Yeah, she's just an all-around She's like utility. Yeah. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I like her for that. Other than the fact that if you find couple burrs, they oh. just she's like a magnet, man. Yeah. I've spent hours <laughs> getting getting that couple burrs out of her. Or those little stick tights, those little bitty ones, are the absolute worst. Yeah. Yep, I know what you mean. Went to some court round on uh, Stockton, and we just end up leaving. I could, they're so bad. Yeah, those little stick tights. Yeah, what beggar ticks? I think uh, I just call them stick tights. Yeah, but you're probably they're good quail food. I do know that. Uh, but yeah, they. I mean, they get it on everything. I I usually get them like uh, bow hunting in. Mm-hmm. You know, early season, uh, man, they they they, can, they oh, get all they, over you, stick to everything. It doesn't matter what it is; it's it's got any sort of fiber and sticking. And then don't put them, don't put your clothes in the washer and dryer if they got them on, because you'll have them on 
closed for the next month. <laughs> so I that's usually just throw them in the hamper and let my wife do it. <laughs> so that's two. What what are the other two? So then I've got so my wife, she got a uh, short hair from our vice president, Christy. She's she's gonna be a good dog. I'm excited this year for her season. Got her in October. So we had we got bean and two weeks later we got we got interrupted. Uh snake in the backyard, my bird dog, um was not liking that very much. So <laughs> had to go deal with that. Uh but okay, so you, you have a short hair from Christy, which is Spring River River Kennels. Is that out of Annie? You know, I don't putting on putting you on the spot. I don't remember. Is that a no? You know, it'll just have to have Christy <laughs> or my wife. Yeah. I think no, it's out of her Raven. Raven, home. okay. And then it was sired out of uh Fred Rice's kennel. And I want to say it's radar, but I'm not 100. Yeah. So is she gonna do the NAVDA like natural abilities with that one? I'd like to. I like NAVDA. I love putting. It's yeah. just fun. I. Yeah, it's you a, really just see how your dog measures up. You know. So will will you run it? Or you think your wife will run it? I'm, I'm gonna make my wife run it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So we did we did my dog when you know. He was, I think he ran when he was about nine months old. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome experience. Uh, you know, my wife helped me. That was before kids. So my yeah. wife helped me with all the training. She was out there, you know, every time. And her comment, which I think is like uh, pretty, pretty sums it up pretty well, was, you know, we got, we got a great score. We were just on, you know, cloud nine. It was, it was awesome. Driving home, uh, the, three or four hours from up there in Mallard Valley. And she was like, you know, it really helps to uh, see how, how all that works. And uh, this before we even went hunting with them, but she's like, uh, you can tell that's what they were made to do. It kind of highlights all the things that they were made to do. And, you know, it's just one day of kind of showing off your dog and how yeah. they can do it. So it was a good experience for us. I'm sure you guys will have Something well, similar. like, so I took my, this was during COVID, took my, had to go to Kansas to run uh, my little wire hair, Natty. <laughs> and she, uh, she did really good. She got a 110 kind of prize one, kind of screwed up on the, the track portion, which wasn't, it was less than ideal tracking field. It's kind of short grass, and then it went off into some CRP-ish whatever yeah. stuff, and then she just went to searching. Yeah, well, I mean, she just started running back and forth like as a hunt, which is I, I wasn't mad about it. Well, I you know not that I'm the expert, I've only done one time, but um, I think it's just that track is just complete luck. I mean. Not complete luck. You got to have some um, things go your way to ha have a perfect score um, yeah. on that part. I mean, I don't think there's anything to get up upset about. Uh, only, some days it's your, it's your day. Some days it's not. Yeah. Well, there was a guy there had a nice wire hair. 
and he, uh, his dog went and tracked it and picked up another pheasant that wasn't his pheasant. <laughs> he has picked one up from the right, and he got docked for it. And he's like, I, yeah, like, it's like <laughs> I can't win with that. Like, how can you, how can you not be mad? Yeah, like, and that that is like the the negative side, like the rules when they come in into play. It's like sometimes you just gotta roll your eyes, and it's like, yeah, uh, I mean, a prize put a prize one on a natural ability, you know that that's good. You know, you did you checked all the marks. Yeah, when it comes to the points, I don't think that really, in my opinion, really matters. You know, it swam it did it did track for some time and you know you're working with puppies and then the field search was good yeah yeah i mean that's my view is like i i only have one dog but um i'll probably always do natural abilities with with all my dogs uh, just because you're going to do that stuff anyways to get them ready to go hunting yeah but so okay so that's three what's your fourth dog got another wire okay and this one is out of Wicked Wires, which they're out of uh, Bone Points up in Oregon. It's a little bit better bred dog. Yeah. Like Chrissy's dog or my wife's dog. And we'll see. He's all piss and vinegar right now. <laughs> How old is he? he? I got him in January. So he's six months, somewhere, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be, it'll be, I mean, just coming up on a year during next hunting season. So, yeah, that's, it's a fun time. Yeah, they're both going to be there at the Mallard Valley. Okay, uh, natural abilities. Yeah. And I would like to get a UT on my natty wire hair, the female, just to see where she measures, you know. She's very cooperative. Her drive just isn't. But I don't know how they score. I've never done one. So, I mean, you tell her to go hunt, she'll go hunt. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so I did the utility, and my experience was um, it probably showed me uh, where I'm not a great trainer. I mean, it's my first bird dog. I get to give myself a little grace, but um, probably probably more on my shoulders than my dog's. Uh, I think he's he was cap- more than capable of it, but um, you know, I kind of messed up and kept him in the kennel. We ran like last or second to the last for the field portion, so I kept him in the kennel. Which uh, my dog's got a big motor to begin with, and then to sit in the car for a couple hours. I mean, I walked him on leash and stuff, but he needed to go for about a ten mile run before yeah. he did that. And, you know, the wheels kind of came off in the steadiness area. And uh, the rest of the day went actually pretty well. Chrissy, Chrissy gunned for me. And, uh, you know, she just kind of at one point I was like, oh, man, this is going terribly. And she's like, not a big deal. Just just keep going. It, it's fine. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up not getting a prize because of the field portion. But uh, good experience, I think. You know, it was time invested with my dog, so I got I got a better dog for hunting season at the end of it. There you go. That's all you can. That's why we did it. Yeah. At least 
why I do it. You know, I don't putting a prize on a dog means nothing to me other than you probably sell a litter. Yeah. At a better price. Yeah. But I I just want to hunt. That's all I want to do. That's why I joined Quell Forever. I didn't plan on being president. <laughs> you just kind of got roped into yeah, it. Yeah, they were like, all right, who? Aiden was like, well, we'll start off with elections. Who wants to be president? And then Ethan Kleekamp, our, he's a Quell Forever biologist, and our, he's got a title. It's like Youth Hunters Program. Yeah, outreach. And he just sits there and nudges me. I'm like, no, I just want to, like, you guys tell me to go do something. And I'm like the least qualified person here to <laughs> to be doing, being the president. And then, yeah, him and Aiden are like, okay, Travis. It's like, what the crap? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it's it's good that, um, you know, you're a hunter. You, you kind of know what the area needs. Well, uh, yeah. And I am ingrained in the community, you know. I born and raised here in the Ozarks, and I do have a passion for Upland, you know. That that I do. I would like to see better quail hunting here, and if I can make a small impact, and hopefully it, when I'm not president or someone else is, or maybe I'm it for 50 years, but you know, I don't know. It, we'll just have to see. But I main goal is to get more people. Sorry, I'm trying to think here, but get more people to at least recognize what the impact of habitat restoration or anything to that extent, you know, whether it's five acres or 500, you know, that good habitat for quail is also a good nesting habitat for turkeys and good habitat for deer it goes across the board yeah i mean i i mentioned like earlier like we're kind of hanging on and you know i feel like if there's there's just kind of some shift at some point um you know we could see an explosion and and one of those like you said is is those that small habitat you know guys buy 40 acres and uh, you know, deer hunting is king around here. Oh yeah. And you know, if you put in a food plot of uh, buckwheat in the spring, and then maybe turnips or radishes um, in the fall, I mean, you you've gone from something that you know, if it was a fescue field, you've gone from something that's not really, you know, quail don't want to have anything to do with it to good nesting cover. I mean, buckwheat always has bugs in it, um, so now you have food for chicks and then um, you're probably gonna get some doves that fly by oh yeah that's what i planted this year is buckwheat and some sunflowers yeah hopefully my quail like it my one quail that i heard (laughs) yeah he's in there but i mean buckwheat uh it's it's easy to to plant it comes up and i mean deer all my experience with it is you know, I broadcast it and come back in a couple of weeks and it, it grows fast, but I mean, the deer eat it about as fast as you can, it grows. So yeah. it's, it's one of their favorite at certain times of the year. 
And it's very hardy too. Yeah. And same thing with sunflowers. We had I, we planted ours early because every time I plant it, we go into a drought, which you, we are currently in. Yeah. And you know it it survived a couple frosts. It it's pretty hardy too. Yeah. Um, I haven't had great luck with sunflowers. It seems like I, <laughs> I don't know what what it is, but it's either the deer nip them. You know, right when they're 12 inches tall, yeah, and then that kind of stalls them out. It doesn't rain in June or July, and yeah, you know, they don't really make anything. Um, or you just get so many weeds that you know, nothing really can survive. But I'm not a professional, <laughs> I try every year, and I've yet to have I've had one year, but they're only about. 18 inches tall. Yeah. Someday, I'm sure we'll both crack the code, but uh, I guess just keep trying. Yeah. I know some farmers that do a pretty good job at it. I don't know what they're doing, but they're yeah. different than I am. Okay. So, uh, gone through your bird dogs. What's what's on the calendar for this year? What hunting trips are you planning? Um, what would you like to do? Well... I've got a cousin that lives in North Dakota. Be nice to go see him. He just recently got a bird dog, so he's kind of caught that bug. And then kind of up in the air, might go to Montana, might go to Wyoming. I don't I don't know. So let's break let's break this down. North Dakota, is that is that gonna be like later? time period for pheasant or is that going to be um like early season grouse and uh hunts probably late season would be i'd like to go shoot some pheasants i'm not a not very good at pheasant hunting i i just and they honestly drive me nuts because and they drive my dogs nuts like i had pretty steady dogs last year going into montana and there's pretty good Pretty good pheasants, pretty good pheasant hunting up there. Of course, I was in September, couldn't shoot them, but those pheasants damn near ruined my dogs <laughs> with steadiness because they were everywhere. Well, so I just talked to a guy this week. I have like a side business uh, painting fishing lures and uh, talked to a guy that worked in the oil fields in North Dakota. And um, I asked him, you know, I've been a couple times and I ask him, hey, have you driven through this this town, small town? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I drove through there yesterday and I about got a limit of birds with my truck. So <laughs> sounds like they're having an OK year. So. Where's your buddy from? Uh, so he's he's in Kentucky and oh, okay, gotcha. uh, he works like stuff, stuff in the oil field. So. Gotcha. Um, now, I'm trying to steal your spot, so I'm asking oh, too many questions. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it. So I think My he was in. <laughs> he was in what western part of the state for gotcha. the town that we we're talking about. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not no, gonna give good, out my I, I, spots, but um. So okay, so that's North Dakota. You mentioned maybe Montana or Wyoming. Are you? Is that uh? 
I guess grouse or pheasant, and then uh, Wyoming might be. I would try to go there in September. I would like to get a savior. That's why Wyoming's on my radar. Yeah, and it's a little bit closer of a drive. Um, last year in Montana was incredible. It's looking like it'll probably be another really good year and some pretty good rains, but I, I don't know. I'm pretty busy, and it's to take two week-long trips. I don't know if I can fake it or not. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but North Dakota, I think, is kind of for sure in October. But I would like – I've got some friends that have been kicking around going to Montana. So – or, sorry, Wyoming. So I was on the fence about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think both – it's tough to choose between those three. Um, uh, I mean, sage grouse, who knows how long, you know, they could have a bad season and close it down for 10 years. I mean, it's it's kind of like you got to do it while you can. Well, it would be like the – well, the lesser prairie chicken, you know, they close that. They, or they put them down on the endangered this year. Yeah. Or was it last year? Sometime recently. Yep. Um, so that's that's definitely something to look forward to. Montana sounds like you had some past success, so. Yeah, that was that was the best hunting I think I've ever been in. Actually, it's worse. Don't go to Montana. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's kind of how I am. Like, I mean, you have all these awesome pictures, and uh, do you post them to social media so everybody knows? I mean, yeah, you don't know like your the field that they found them in, but um, I don't know. It's kind of there's well, there's pluses and minuses. To well, you've got to be careful too when you're on like any sort of platform, like. You just gotta be, you gotta be careful because I think Montana this year their numbers jumped up like a ridiculous amount to a point where I think they're going to limit, end up limiting tags oh. in Montana. Wow. Not non-resident tags. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, don't know the logistics on it. I just kind of read a thing through BHA, but they got hammered hard this year. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like North Dakota waterfowl. I mean, they don't, I don't know that they limit the number of tags, but it's like, you know, you can only have so many days in this area and so many days in this area, or you can pay more and have both areas. Um, so, you know, they, I, and I think that stems from, you know, some, some really good years. And everybody kind of finds out about it, and that's the well. I think just like Upland in general has kind of taken off. Like people are starting to figure out, especially with COVID and whatnot. Like everyone, everyone got a dog during COVID, and you know GSP probably one of the most popular dogs you can get. Yeah, they buy a hunting dog, and like, well, I got time, let's go hunting, and so. It's a very easy thing for people to get into. Yeah. I mean, so 
it's the same way with like fishing boats. I we're sitting behind my bass boat right now, but like bass boats went crazy during COVID, and you know fishing boats in general because everybody had time. It was like one thing you could do and weren't around a bunch of people. And I'm kind of interested to see like does it did it change people and now they you know now that we're kind of out of it on the backside um are the lakes going to stay as busy as they were or you know do people kind of go back to their ball you know kids ball tournaments during the yeah the weekends and the summer and that kind of stuff so i mean hunting in general always has its ebbs and flows but you know look at the deer hunters here in missouri like we should I think we shot like 300,000 deer yeah. last year. Just a crazy amount of hunters that go, you know, most of them go opening morning, opening weekend, and go back to their home and shoot whatever, you know. But I think that's kind of what happened with the Upland community. It was kind of this hidden gem that no one, I feel like not a lot of people did a lot of upland hunting and then COVID hit and boom, there's a ton of people now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, so, you know, my introduction to upland was like, you know, I, I, uh, in college, I went with a friend and his dad to South Dakota and, uh, you know, kind of outfitter deal. And it was amazing. It was, I mean, it was borderline not hunting cause it was, I mean, there's birds everywhere. It was it was uh, just kind of a spectacle to see that amount of birds, and did that um, quite a bit. Um, and then I came back, and you know, I was really into duck hunting at the time. Kind of got a job out of school, and uh, duck hunting around here is tough because there's not a lot of ducks, and there, there's a lot of duck hunters, yeah. and it was like. One time I just, you know, it was like December and I just got burned out of fighting people for spots. And I was like, I'm just going to go walk around at this conservation area. And I kicked up like two cubbies of quail without a dog. And then that kind of put me on like, oh, maybe I should get a, a bird dog that can, you know, maybe go duck hunting with me too. And uh, so I got a bird dog in 2019 um, and, you know. I guess I had a season and then pandemic happened and worked out for you then. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I mean, I was ahead of the curve, but I, I don't really have a sense of like what it was like before yeah. uh, the pandemic, but it was, you know, it's been, it's been good. I, I think um, I kind of want to talk about like your experience with Missouri and, you know, do you, have you like, nailed down like strategies because it's different than kansas and those western states because we get a lot of rain so that means we have like more trees more um just the terrain's different in general yeah no i haven't nailed them down i they're few and far between i have shot a handful i mean a literal handful of quail here in missouri and most of them have been north, you know. North Missouri. Yeah. Have you uh, run into a, a pheasant in Missouri? No. 
Well, I did deer hunting. We have a deer lease along the Missouri River, and this was when I was like, you know, this was 15 plus years ago. I okay. kicked one out of a cornfield <laughs> in a tree stand about, about piss my pants. <laughs> It's close. So that that like exact thing happened to me with the Kelvia quail. We hunted up um, North Missouri, yeah. so it's probably generally the same area. And um, you know, it was before daylight, and we I think it was a bean field, and we parked you know at the edge of it. And there's some trees, and uh, my dad I was probably 13, 14, and my dad was like, "All right, get out of the truck and meet me at the tailgate." And I stepped out and that covey of quail took off and I was like, about came unglued. And I was like, you know, ran over to my dad. I was like, what was that? He's like, oh, that was just a covey of quail. Like, <laughs> your life was not threatened. Yes. I mean, the, the covey flush is pretty intense. You know, you all, I mean, it's like thunder when they get up. Especially yeah. if you're right off. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a sight to see. So I'll say, you know, I've I've had moderate success in Missouri. I don't want to say I'm I'm just tearing them up, but it seems like you know we have good days and not so good days. But I will say, like two of the things I learned about Missouri is if you can uh, find like, you know, I'm I pretty much just hunt conservation areas. But if you can find um, conservation areas that they burn regularly, mm-hmm. it seems like those um you know have better habitat and that leads to birds so that's like when i see stuff that's burned i'm not like oh i can't hunt that i'm like oh next year that's gonna be good and so that's where i'm going and then the other thing i found like that's different than kansas and you know out west is when it's like uh rainy sleety um and has been for, you know, we get those weeks in January where it's just like overcast, nothing dries out. Seems like, um, you know, go duck hunting, go deer hunting. Because yeah. it's it's like they get, they have more like brush piles and stuff to get in around here where they can just hunker down and stay dry and not spend a bunch of energy trying to stay warm. And, um, I, you know, those days I don't think I've found a bird. Like, and that, I think it's different in Kansas because they don't have as much that, you know, big, thicky, thick brush where they can hunker down for, you know, three or four days and just stay dry. And then, you know, pheasants. It's, it's easy to pick out cover in Kansas. Yeah. Here, if, you know, you got a field, the whole edge of that field is going to be full of some sort of brush. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whether it's briars or whatever, but they'll be in it, you know. Yeah, and you don't really hunt like trees because it's all cottonwoods in Kansas. There's not like, uh, you know, those big river bottoms. You go hunt down there, you're gonna get a bunch of skunks and yeah. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but probably I'm the same way. It's like some days it's like oh I can't do any wrong, and the other days like I don't even know what I'm doing here. Just pack up and go home. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm just spending a bunch of money and gas scratching your head yeah there's there's a couple times that like we went i've gone to like north of topeka so not very far west in kansas mm-hmm. and you know uh 
no luck at all. And then like, man, I could have just slept in my own bed and, you know, duck hunted or deer hunted or something around here. Probably been ahead of the game. That's one thing I'm not getting into is duck hunting. We do a duck hunt. Me and my brother-in-law and a bunch of friends. He's got a place up near Clinton. Which can be good duck hunting, but it ends up us probably staying up a little bit too late. And then, boy, we don't hunt hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, deer camp. Duck camp, that's that's part of it. Oh, we definitely have fun, but we don't kill a lot of ducks. Yeah. It's like fifth year running, and I think we total like four. What time of the year do you usually do it? It's usually around Christmas time. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. I'm not, like, I started duck hunting in college, and I like it because, you know, you don't have to sit still. Uh, be quiet, that kind of, I mean, drink your coffee. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of like why I got into it and you can kind of do it more than the 10 days that rifle season is open for deer around here. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. Some days I look like I, I know what I'm doing and have a little bit of luck and, but most of the time it's just like hauling around a bunch of decoys and waders and, uh getting up early and- <laughs> yeah being cold and i don't know but it's i mean regardless it's good to get out yeah um i so one thing i did this spring and we can maybe put this on the thing for maybe informal for the chapter to do but i went up to um I, I won't give out the town name so we don't hotspot it, but uh, relatively close and listen to the prairie chickens like in March. Um, we, we have like 100 prairie chickens left in Missouri. Yeah. And I went up there and I didn't get to see one, but I heard them. Mm-hmm. And which is cool. See them up on their legs. Yeah. It's, it's cool just to hear them. But um, I think. I think you might be able to get like one of those ground blinds. I think how they do it is they get one of the, like turkey ground blinds mm-hmm. and you know, go out there in the dark and set it up. And then, uh, you know, you can see them and they do their dance for an hour or two and then, uh, go on their way. But that might be something cool. We can kind of informally do maybe see if we can find somebody in the conservation department that can point us in the right direction. But yeah, that'd be awesome. That's, that's my bucket list bird right now. Prairie chicken. I'm gonna try to hit those hard. If I don't end up going to Wyoming, that's I'm gonna try to go get hit those hard. Yeah, there. That's like uh, there's two things probably on my list is is prairie chicken, and then uh, Missouri pheasant. So yeah, not not plentiful in any regards, yeah. but. Yeah. Oh, where where do you think for for uh, prairie chickens would you go? Would you go to Kansas or Nebraska, South Dakota? It seems to be like the three states. I mean, I've, I've caught, kind of fallen in love with Kansas. Both my parents are from there. Like, yeah. I'm very familiar with it, um, just not chickens. But nice thing about Kansas, 
in four hours you can be in prime hunting. You know, in six hours you can be in prime hunting of pheasants. You know, yeah. so it's a it's very easy driving. You know, pretty straight. Yeah. Yeah. So your dad probably grew up like on the edge of the Flint Hills. So he that's grew up in the Hills. Yeah. 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 Which is I don't know if if you haven't driven across seventy uh, through Kansas, it's like you know you kind of go through Kansas City. Um, Topeka is kind of like a river town. And then on the other side of that, at some point it turns into the Flint Hills and it's, I mean, it's, it's really pretty and it's, it's prairie cause there's Flint right under the ground. So you can't really disc it up and it's gorgeous. yeah, rolling yeah. Hills. And it goes from like, what is it? Maybe like the other side of Topeka through Manhattan, Fort Riley, that area yeah and then you start getting into the sand hills west of that which is good hunting as well very pretty yeah yeah um okay anything else we want to talk about one thing that i mentioned a couple uh oh a couple meetings ago chapter meetings ago was possibly doing some coon hunting whether that's in trapping or in, you know, find someone with a dog to go kill coons. And to tie that into quail forever is because they're a predator that wreaks havoc on quail, turkeys, pheasants, just raiding, raiding nests. And I think that would be a fun thing to kind of tie, you know, especially in the dead of winter january february to go possibly kill pubes do some trapping on some conservation yeah and, and I, I know it's a little bit of a debatable topic but like um so let's they're a nest predator so they're you know when the quail turkey um are sitting on the nest they can smell those eggs uh, really well and then um you know they they basically don't give give the quail a chance they to leave no they leave no survivors <laughs> and and then that kind of goes back to like when when quail were, hunting was really good around here there was a fur market exactly and you know my grandpa did it my my dad did it a little bit but everybody coon hunted because, you know, you could go out on a, a Friday night and make a couple hundred bucks. And with, you know, you got to. Well, was, we live here in the Ozarks where it's just iconic for, I mean, they, the red fern grows was in the Ozarks, you know, where the red, where the red fern grows. Yeah. Yeah. It so it's just south of Arkansas, Oklahoma. So it's kind of like a, um, tradition that's probably faded i mean i don't oh, really sure. know anybody that coon hunts anymore but um i mean so the place i i deer hunt a lot is um they have a, a guy that traps it and in years that he he doesn't do it really heavily um you know you can see a impact to the quail and turkey population but when you know a lot of coons and possums um and those, you know, nest predators, when they get thinned out a little bit, um, 
you know, it gives them a chance. Yeah. Well, and to bring it full circle, too, with better habitat, they might have a better chance, too. Yeah. You know, and it, it all comes full circle, but right now we do have a predator influx. You know, it, it's coons, coyotes, they're, they're all at their peak right now. Yeah, I, so, you know, I, I listened to Joe Rogan a little bit, and um, on the coyotes, the, he had somebody on um, relatively recently that said, you know, coyotes were a, a Western state animal and then you know around here and i've heard it like 60s 70s there there weren't really coyotes and then um the government trappers like in montana and wyoming um you know pretty much pushed them east um like they naturally migrated yeah because you know they're the you know i i assume like they weren't around here because there was wolves at one point, you know, 1800s, and um, that that kept the coyotes from moving east. But then, you know, settlers came. No more wolves. Um, no more bears. Yeah, no more bears. Uh, probably no more mountain lions. And then, uh, you know, they have this pressure from the west um, pushing them east. With, and, you know, I'm sure there's probably a lot more other factors that... Well, like down in Seymour here, they used to have a coyote farm. You'd go down there and run dogs. Really? And then I heard on a podcast, I think it was Ron Baines, was at the Hunting Dog yeah. podcast. He would... Heard from Delmar Smith that he... That Delmar Smith was a reason of like, And he didn't go into detail. So, like, take that one. <laughs> a grain of salt. Yeah. But, You'd have to just go listen to but yeah, I've kind of gotten into coyote hunting. Um, you know, like after after bird season closes in January, like that February March time uh, time frame, I've kind of gotten into it. Uh, oh, yeah, it's it's something to do when it you know you don't necessarily have to be there at the crack of dawn. Uh, well, and your stands are like 30 minutes, and then you're like, okay, there's, yeah, nothing's coming, you know. So you go get back in the truck and warm up and it's, find it's, a new spot. It's kind of fun and, you know, kind of helping out the, I mean, everything, really, because your deer, turkeys. Oh, yeah. um, I find several fawns every year that have been really? ravaged by tires. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's there's plenty of them around. Um, so maybe we need to get together and do some coyote hunting. I like hunting all kinds. I'm not very. I like fishing. I'm just not very good at it. But yeah, I just I guess killing's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's good to get out, and um, you know, I I can go maybe two weeks and then like i gotta i gotta go get out of the house and cabin fever yeah you know even if we're doing stuff it's like i i gotta i gotta go out where you know there's not people and do something well a little tangent here but you know that i think for me hunting is a lot more than just killing animals like i love experiencing 
to be animals. I have a passion, you know, for quail forever and all that because, you know, I like to hunt. I don't really care that if I kill anything, but I like seeing wildlife. But it's also, you know, when you're hunting, you're not thinking about life. You're thinking about hunting, you know. And it's a very good release for me to be out there because you're not you're not thinking about anything but hunting. You know, there's no problems in the world right now because we're hunting. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I think I think I would agree with that 100%. I mean, it's uh, it's good to get out, get your mind off stuff. No, I not once do I ever think about work when I'm deer hunting, quail hunting, whatever. Not once do I think about anything. And then, like, I agree with the, like, getting part. I, I mean, it's nice. I mean, one, the goal is to get my dog on birds. And, um, you know, if you're not seeing birds, that gets frustrating. Um, and I kind of get, you know, kind of get uh, downtrodden a little bit about that. But, you know, if you're in birds and not missing all your shots, um uh, it's it's a good day. And but even when you're missing, you're, I'm still having fun. It's frustrating, but you go back and it's like, you know, we saw four cubbies of birds today. Like, yeah, I didn't get them. Get them next time. You know, was, life goes on. That's that's what. So that reminded me of a quick hunting story. I'll be I'll be quick, but uh, the first year, first hunting season for my dog. We went to Kansas and it was a pretty good year for birds. And, um, you know, I, I'd been pheasant hunting before, but it's never just been me and my dog and my, and my wife was with me. Um, so we were kind of on our own opening day of Kansas. We were out there. Um, we kind of got, you know, got out there early, got to our field. Um, and, first 50 yards we kicked up like two or three roosters and i missed all of them and he kind of got sprayed by a skunk uh it wasn't like a direct hit but you could still like he wasn't going to be sleeping inside (laughs) let's just say that (laughs) and you know went went uh the rest of the day and missed some shots and then you know everybody's out on opening day so it's kind of hard to hunt past noon it got really warm that day. And so like, I was, I was a little down, like, Oh man, I didn't get my dog's first bird. You know, it's it just kind of one of those things where I wasn't kicking myself too bad, but like, I wanted to get him a bird. Um, yeah. So next day we got up and it was like second or third field, really small. Um, he pointed a badger. So I had to deal with that. Um, and that was, my wife doesn't carry a gun when we hunt. So it's like really, yeah, it's really, it's really handy. Cause she can like hold them when that stuff comes up around the truck. She can help out. Um, it's, I mean, she's a huge help when we go hunting and, um, so dealt with that. And then like 50 yards later, get a rooster up. Um, one shot, I got it. He goes and retrieves it to hand. I'm like, well, I'm the best bird drop trainer ever. <laughs> like that was super easy. He's he, at the time. He was, right there. Yeah. At the time he was 11 months old. I mean, it was about as perfect as you could get. Um, and you know, we've had many hiccups since then. And oh, yeah. 
but it was just like that feeling of, you know, we got, I don't know, maybe two or three birds that trip. Um, so probably not the best hunting trip ever, but you know, we were, we were loving it. Cause you know, we looked really good for that, you know, minute or two and it just like make, made the whole experience getting his first bird. You and... had enough for a sandwich. That's when me and my brother-in-law <laughs> go fishing. We suck at fishing. But if we catch one, it's like, well, we got a sandwich for the day. Yeah, yeah. We have enough to make a sandwich. And that's kind of the outlook I take. It's like, well, didn't get them all, but I got one. And I'm, you know, came down to it, survival situation. I'm not going hungry. Yep, a so. little, little action goes a long ways, I think. All right. Well, you want to wrap this up and we'll say, save it for next time. Yeah. Let's, so if you go to Montana or something, let's, let's talk about that at some point and, or, or North Dakota or Wyoming. Um, let's get back together. And, I'll get out west at some point. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to hold you to some stories when you get back. Sounds good. Man. All right. So one more time, June 14th at Springfield Brewing Company for our next chapter meeting. Yes, sir. All right. Travis, it was good talking with you. Yeah, you too, buddy. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay.